Hello, this is Daniel Orton, pastor of Harvest House United Pentecostal Church in Marion, Kentucky. It is our desire to see hurting hearts and minds healed as they are born again into the kingdom of God. It is my desire that this podcast will be a blessing to you and help bring you closer to Jesus. Lord is truly good, and He is great to be praised. Um, you got my verse up there, Jake? All right. It's actually kind of a famous verse. We all know this verse. If you don't, it's a good one to learn. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Everybody say one thing. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind Reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us today. Help us receive the word of the Lord and what you have for us today. Touch us, God. Help us catch the culture, the vision you have for us with this, Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, you may be seated. Um, we have been walking through this book. Um, follow the lead. And some may be questioning why we're doing this. Um, to be honest, we're just trying to find a way to, to create a culture in our church to where we believe um, that there is a better way for somebody to live. Jesus... In his last, some of his last words, everybody say Jesus' last words. He told them to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which we know is his name, Jesus' name. He said, teach them to observe all things and whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. So today we're going to kind of continue on with this. And I'll be honest, this is a tough this is a tough chapter for me, uh, looking at it, to try to break down and somehow teach it, preach, teach, whatever I'm going to do here today. <laughs> it's kind of a tough, tough one to do because it's really focused a lot more towards the leadership um, and to try to get them to do a particular thing. Okay. But... Today, we're looking at the seventh chapter of this book, Follow the Lead. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull something out of that chapter and kind of talk about it. something he said at the beginning of this. And I'm going to just call this, this one thing is what I'm going to be actually talking about. But um, I do believe with all my heart, Bobby, I believe that Jesus is coming back very soon. Never seen such a time that we live in right now. Have... We've got a variety of ages in here from our young men to us uh, a little bit older and then us middle age and Sister Valma's our elder here today and, and uh, she's still a young pup anyway, but uh, she's the oldest here among us that's up here. Sister Valma, have you ever seen a crazy time that like we live in now? It's different than we've ever lived in. Bobby, you're 25, right? How different is this world from... Different than it was five years ago. It is changing drastically. It is changing so, so. What's that? 
Yes. And they're they're changing constantly with the the, the advancement of technology, the advancement of uh, us coming to the end. It has gotten things is exponentially sped up. It's just it's it's crazy. Since COVID, we have seen it even. I mean, we had that law with COVID because everything got shut down. But since it's been open, um, and people you know people still getting sick and stuff, and all that kind of stuff. But it's gotten crazy. The, it is it's so different. So with all that said, I believe that it is for a reason. Jesus is coming back really soon. So I believe the devil's trying his best to destroy the church with something that we all have. And something that none of us can get away from. It's a simple thing called life. You're not going to get away from from life you're going to deal with sickness you're going to deal with disease you're going to deal with money circumstances um bobby's talking about his jaw hurting thought he's just going to live with his back hurting but david bike would say amen with that having back surgery and and uh you know you skinny people i don't like you whoever you may be i have to deal with Gaining weight and losing weight. And when I gain weight, my, my knees hurt me worse because I'm getting older. It's just, this is life. It's stuff you're not going to get away from. You're not going to escape life. As long as we're in this world, um, unless you become extremely very rich, which you're going to have to pay, you deal with how you're going to pay bills. You're going to deal with how you're going to, I mean, my goodness, when when a bag of, Frito corn chips that I seen yesterday was $4 on sale. And down at Dawson, when I went to the food giant, was going to have a salad yesterday, so I went to get some lettuce, and they had a one limit on lettuce, a head of lettuce. All you get was one. And that one that you buy was going to be $5 for a head of lettuce. I went to the dollar store and gave two fifty, which is way too high. But the whole point of I'm saying this is we're not going to get away from life. It's here to stay because that is what this world is made up of, is just life. So the devil is using that life to control everybody. Today there's people not here because life is controlling them and not person not controlling life. I'm glad you made a decision. In spite of life, because you've got life anyway. Yeah, life does suck sometimes. I agree with you. But you made that decision to go ahead and come to church today. But with all that said, um, Brother Gleason says in his book, and I'm going to quote it verbatim here, every local church must decide if it's going to fulfill the Great Commission and engage every believer, that'd be everybody that's born again in the church, in disciple making or merely assign that job to a department. We have tried as a body in this church to say, okay, we're going to have these people that's going to try to, to disciple people. We've not done a very good job with some of that stuff. So our goal in this is to try to get every one of us to realize the importance of what God has created us to be. He didn't just create us to be saved and not do nothing. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. We all can be engaged with winning people 
to God in simple manners. It doesn't have to be a, we've got Bible studies that we've given people. We've got something that's called Into His Marvelous Light. It's a one-hour Bible study. We have a Search for Search for Truth. That's a, is a 10, 12, 12 lesson. Search for Truth. And people's taught that. We've got other Bible studies. But it doesn't have to be that. It can be everyday living, letting people know that, hey, look at my life. I've changed. Bobby, you don't maybe see it in your life, but buddy, since you've been back, God's done some great things for you. And there's some change that's happening. Like every one of us. But David, look at where you were when you came into church several years ago. You're, you're farther along. And I, I see people that lie. We can take those simple things and they can come to us and, and they can see, hey, something's different about you. This is what we're talking about. It becomes an everyday lifestyle. And um, everybody ever heard the old saying, jack of all trades but master of none? If we're not careful, we can do that as a church. We can do everything. Uh, we try to do everything and be, but be accomplished at nothing. But if we could focus on the one thing, make it the most important thing, I believe that we can be very successful. And most of the young people downstairs, we've got two young men here, but our young people downstairs. What could happen if somehow we as a body begin to, through the week, kind of help lead these young people to a place? And I think it's something Bethany in Texas has kind of been doing, and that's great. But it's not all up to the ones, whoever's driving a bus. We can do what we can. We look at the Apostle Paul. He was a very successful leader. He was an author. He wrote majority of the New Testament. He was a church planner. And he also was a disciple maker because... He organized his life. And to be honest with you, that's what we need to be able to do is be able to organize our life. And Brother Stan Gleason wrote, and he said, speaking of this verse that I had today, he said, he did not say these things I tinker about with. But he said, this one thing I do. My goal, now I'm going I'm to tell you what my goal is as a pastor of this church. My goal is, is for us to develop, and this is why we're doing this, develop a culture of disciple-making within the heart of every person in this church. And it doesn't matter what level of Christianity your walk with God you're in. We all can do that. And how much more powerful would it be to have um, all of us having this mentality that a disciple maker What is a disciple? Let me just break it down. Basically, when you get somebody and you bring them to where you are, and you keep moving forward, and they get somebody. It's, it's, it's bringing people closer to Jesus. Now, the number one person we have to disciple has got to be us. We've got to have what is disciple. The basis of it is discipline. We've got to have discipline. We pray. We read our Bible. We have a discipline to come to church. You've done that today. Thank you for doing that. Give yourself a good hand. Come to the house of God. But what would happen if we had everything in this church was centered around Making a disciple. We had a kids fest last week. I thought that went great. It went really good. I thought we had a good kids fest on that the whole thing, including that Sunday. And really, what happened last week is we had some young people. I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but Cheyenne sat right here where Jacob's at, and she was crying. Some other people come over and prayed for her. Something happened to the young lady this because she's not the same person she was last week. 
But what we don't want to do is leave her out by herself as somehow some of us older ones could reach out and start saying, hey, it just, if we could just at least take an interest in them. This is part of disciple making. At least make it take an interest into them and say, hey, I notice God's doing something in your life and encourage them. This is small levels of it. Now, as we go along, but, but what would happen if every area of our church becomes disciple making? If you hear Bethany down there right now, you know what she's doing? She's teaching that Sunday school class. You know how she's teaching them? Have you, have you been noticing how she's been doing this? You hear the piano? She's using her gift and her ability of the piano and singing to teach those in her Sunday school class by the words of a song and showing them and giving, putting a hunger inside of them for singing. While they've been driving the bus, she's been, they've been doing this deal with them, basically saying, you know, hey, we got certain things we don't, you can listen to it anywhere else you want to listen to, but not on this bus. She's not, they've not been doing that stuff. Now here, we're going to listen to, uh, we're going to listen to God. And what she's doing, she's building a culture. She's trying to build a culture. So anywhere and everywhere we could go, any outing we have, anything we're doing, we want to, at the first year, we want to get, we want to get everything kicking back up again. We want to get men's service and ladies' service. And, and, and I'd love to be able to go on and see so many things going on where it's not just a preacher. It's not, and I've got to do it. I've got to be the example. I've got to be the model of, of, of it all, of us leaders. But when we think about what God is doing, we've got to have a vision for this. We've got to envision. I see these young people that's up here. I see you adults are here. I, I want to get a vision that I see Sister Heather two and three years down the road and I see her uh, when she goes to the dollar store said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Or, 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 or hey, just smiling at people. And, and Solomon was, he said in Proverbs 29, 18, we have it back on our, on our um, little table. It says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. A vision is something that compels, it's a compelling picture of the future. That inspires passion. And this is what I'm trying to give us a vision of what could be. We're not there yet. We're trying to push it that. Where all of a sudden, you said you was talking to your buddy about the changes. Now, I, maybe you had, maybe you hadn't. But what if you throwed in a little bit? Yeah, man, the Bible talks about that stuff. About how things are going to change and how Jesus is coming back. You could throw that in, in there. And all of a sudden, what you're doing, Bobby, you're, you're starting to pull somebody from where they were. And pulling them closer to Jesus. Because that's all a disciple maker is. We're pulling them away from where they were. And pulling them into a place. That they uh, are getting closer to Jesus. And this is what essence of this whole entire thing is. Well, we're Every day. Not just Sunday. And not just a midweek service. We're constantly thinking about. What can I do to help bring somebody closer to Jesus? And this is, my, this is what I'm trying to do. is Throw this out there. That we could have this one thing in our mind all the time. What can I do to help somebody else become closer to Jesus? And I know that is, that's compacting, that's pulling together, but let's think about a river. It has banks. A river has banks that provide a definition. It, it provides a purpose of flow is what a river does. It, it has a place that it's going. And the restraints of that, that river bank it holds the power of the river which can have momentum and move things, traveling and energy. And without the restraints of that bank, that river becomes what? Does anybody know? 
If that water just flows wherever, what happens to that water? It becomes stagnant. It becomes like a swamp. It stinks. And without the discipline that we need of a vision in our church, um, we can, and I, we've done this here at Harvest House. We've, we've discussed, well, what can we do to get people more involved? And, and we have brainstorming ideals and we just, all these different things. And this is why we're trying to create a vision in our church. Because without a vision, our church has become powerless. And we become impulsive to grab a hold of anything we can to see our church grow. So what we're trying to do is develop, with this vision, a culture that says, there's one thing we'll think about more than anything else in this church, is to see somebody else become more like Jesus. And this is what we want, because if I can get somebody closer to Jesus, Jesus will affect them. Jesus will change their life. And God's called pastors and preachers to to cast a vision and to do like this river, to create a path to help us get there. This is why we're teaching this follow the lead. I'm trying to get somebody to get in here behind me and follow me. And you get somebody behind you and follow you to where we create this passion because this true vision, it sets our direction. But culture is what will take us there. Okay? I'm kind of cast the vision that we want to have one thing in our mind. When somebody walks through those doors and they've never been here before, what can I do to help them get closer to Jesus? Or if somebody I meet in the dollar store, the food giant, and I see them, and I can tell there's something a little, they're a little bit hungry, what can I do to reach that one person? It may be not bring them to church. It may be just smile at them and say, how are you doing? Because we can have the most incredible vision that captures everybody's imagination. But without the culture, the vision will never happen. It has to be, culture is an environment. It's building an environment where what we think about as a body, whether we're singing a song, it's to try to get somebody closer to Jesus. Whether we're having a hayride, we're trying to get somebody closer to Jesus. Or I'm going to the dollar store, and I've done prayed saying, this is a Tuesday, it's not even a church. I'm going to the dollar store, and I've done prayed before I leave. Lord, lead me to somebody that needs you. Or it's a Bobby getting up, going to third shift to work. And before he goes, God, I'm going to be tired tonight, but let me find that certain person that I can maybe... Help them get closer to Jesus. Not just come to church, but get closer to Jesus to find salvation in their life. And this is what we're trying to do. Because if you have a if we have a healthy church culture and no vision, we may have a good time here, but never move forward. So this is why we need both of them. So Brother Gleason said in his book, again, I'm going to read this as he wrote it, because he's, he said it better than I'm going to be able to do it. He said, Possessing culture with no vision is like the pilot who came over the intercom and announced to the pastors that he had some bad news and he's got some good news. 
He said the bad news is that we have lost all our flying instruments. And we don't have a clue where we are going. But the good news is that we have picked up a tailwind and we're making record time. <laughs> so, we may have the environment, but if we don't know where we're going. So, vision can be cast. I can cast the vision today. I'm telling you, we want this one thing to be in our mind as a church. That we're trying to develop other people to become a child of God. A Christian. I'm casting that vision. But unless you and I build this culture to where that's what we really do, well, we may, we may have a good, awesome service like what we've done here today, but we may walk back out and, you know, because very little disciples are made at Sunday. Very few disciples are made in Sunday morning or whenever we do church or the midweek. Disciples has got to be made one at a time. Maybe you can get a few together. But the kind of, this kind of disciple making does not happen just on Sunday. It's got to happen Monday through Saturday. And this is why, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to ask a serious question. And I want you to answer, not out loud, but I want you to answer it in your heart. When you leave this place, do you think about it every day? Do you think about making a disciple every day? Do you think about what can I do to advance the kingdom of God? Because if you don't, that culture will die in this place. And what I'm trying to do is cast a vision that when you walk out of this place, you're not walking out and say, okay, I've done my duty. They've checked my name on the list. That way, pastor won't call and check on me or text me or come knock on my door. But I'm checked off. No, when you walk out of this place, it's not about we come here to get fueled up and we walk out of this place to go and say, all right, now then what can I take from that service that I can go help somebody else become closer and get closer to Jesus? That is culture. This is what I want to see. I, and, and like these young people, great, they're up here doing what they were doing today, praying and worshiping and what they've done Thursday night at the uh, uh, at the Revival Star Bethlehem. But I want them to take that from this altar and take it back to their school. And they can start doing a, what they call a P7 club and teaching a Bible study at their school. And even as an adult, there's a, there's a man that we know, a young man, he's Jenkins' age, uh, Kevin Cummins. And he, he has a Bible study he does from his work that's not in the church. And this is what we're trying to do, that we have that one thing in our mind that we realize. What we, what's the one thing our church wants to do? Anybody know what our theme, our, our, what our church, uh, I lost my thought of what it is. Done. Oh gosh, I went brain dead. That's why I'm supposed to write this stuff down. I'm going to write it down, I have it there. Mission statement, thank you. It's to reach. Reach the other people. Reality speaks. This is, this is the whole purpose of what we're doing. We want our, that's why we came to Marion, is to create and see another church. But vision is, it can give us that picture of the future. But a vision cannot be demonstrated until culture makes it reality. So we want to create a culture that when we walk out of here, it's not, oh, I've checked my list and I'm done with church for this week. No, I am the church. 
And everywhere I go, and, and too many, we've had too many, how many of those we've had some incredible, and I'm not talking about myself, we've had some incredible preaching that's come from this pulpit. Brother White, Brother, Brother Near, these young men, some other preachers that's come in and preach our youth week services. Uh, man, we've had some incredible preaching that's come from here. But too many great messages have been preached, but yet division has been cast to reach the world, and then we, we walk out of here and we do nothing with it. So what we get on Sunday, we've got, we've got to be able to walk out of here, get up from the altar, and be more determined that I'm going to reach this world. And we've done that. And we walk out and we never change. But we can get the mindset that this one thing we want to do at Harvest House is we want to disciple everybody we can. And we know that's not going to happen just on Sunday in a Sunday school class or an apostolic service or a midweek service, whatever we're doing that time. But it happens is when I get up every day and I make up my mind, what can I do to help somebody else get closer to Jesus? And, and we don't want people just to, to leave here. I don't, today, I'm trying to cast a vision. I don't want you just to walk out of here and say, man, that was good. I'm going to go win the world. But walk out and realize, what can I do to change the culture of our church? When everybody sees me, they realize, yeah, they go to Harvest House because they do everything they can to make more disciples. And it appears from the Scriptures that Jesus intended for His disciples and everybody that came behind Him and all the generations behind them, go make, go make disciples until He comes back. We would be probably... You'd be hard. I, I've just finished reading the book of Acts. If anybody's reading the, uh, the bread program, you're probably in the book of Acts right now. And this is where you are in the bread program. But I just got done. I, I got one more chapter and I'll be done with the book of Acts. And, but when you, when you go through and you read the book of Acts, and you read the New Testament, the epistles, I don't know how you could come to any other conclusion the fact that their purpose was to make more disciples. They followed what Jesus. We, we, we would, matter of fact, if anybody would claim that they're a Christian, a, a sincere, dedicated follower of Jesus, we really can't find no place that we can get away from the area that Christian living, part of that is personal discipline. And disciple making. Because every born again believer. Everybody who's been born again. You're qualified. You're capable. Of taking someone. On this journey with you. No matter where you are. Because if, if you're farther than somebody else. With your walk with God. All you got to do is reach back and grab somebody. And take them on the journey with you. And ch challenge them. Hey. Man, I, I'm getting closer to God, and you're following me, but why don't you get a hold of somebody else? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Exactly. And that's one reason I keep saying that. It doesn't matter where you are. You're qualified. Because here, here's the thing, Bobby. If you have an experience with Jesus, you're qualified. The truth of the matter, if somebody, the first time they walk through these doors, they kneel at this altar with sincerity, and they repent 
And they've not even got even more. You know, they haven't been baptized. They haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost. They haven't walked years with God. That moment, they repent and give their life to God. They're qualified because they're, they're farther along than somebody else. And this is the whole point that we're trying to build. We want to build a culture where everybody realizes, well, I might not be the pastor, but I know I have an experience with God that puts me farther ahead of somebody else. And this is the one thing that I'm wanting to drive to us today is no matter where you are, where we are as individuals, we can help somebody else. And this is why we're teaching this book to take our church beyond preaching just convicting sermons about reaching the lost. Beyond our, those who leads our church whatever you may do in a church, that we can go farther and everybody can be a part of this and not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. Jesus demonstrated the behavior that He wanted to see re reproduced in His followers. We see Jesus. What did He do? Every action, His attitude, what He done. He wanted... To reproduce in his followers what he done. And that's exactly what Jesus done. Matter of fact, he went on and said this in John 14 and 12. He said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Matter of fact, he went on and said, greater works shall you do. He believed that by modeling it in front of them, he said, you are going to do what I'm doing. And it's been said that we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. And we need to reproduce. We need to be like Jesus. Jesus was the greatest teacher. Anybody believe that? If you've ever read through the Bible, he's the greatest teacher anybody has ever heard. But he was also the greatest servant leader that the world had ever seen. It's no wonder that the disciples were willing to take Nails in their hand, just like Jesus did in crucifixion. It's no wonder they was willing to sacrifice their life because they seen Jesus sacrifice his life. Jesus reproduced his qualities of this selfless love, his compassion in them. And Jesus, he was not um, just like some kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, the, the, word, the word Brother Gleason used was an ivory tire where he looks like he's above everybody else. But Jesus was, he was approachable. You could reach him. You could touch him. He was real. And he was up close and personal with all of his disciples. He constantly teaching them, training them, teaching them, demonstrating, observing. He was teaching them all the time. What would happen if us, everywhere we're at, we use teachable moments. Like what you're talking about, you better, that's a teachable moment. Next time, you say, yeah, man, the Bible talks about in the end times how knowledge would abound. And you may not know the exact scripture, but you could use, you could do it like this. Say, look, I heard, I heard pastor talking about this crazy time we're living in. You're teaching him. You're, you're bringing him a little bit of the word. You may not know it all, but say, you ought to come to church and maybe we can figure this out together. Or, or maybe say, hey, if you don't want to go to church, maybe... Pastor can come over. We can hang out. So I'm just, I'm trying to get us to realize this, if we can get this one thing. What's that one thing? We're trying our best to model what Jesus done. And his, see, his method of disciple making was he did it. 
and they watched. Then they did it, and he watched them. And then they did the same thing he did. He, he expected that his disciples were going to make disciples. I'm just telling you today, this is what I'm trying. I'm expecting us to do this. Because we're running out of time. Exactly. Jesus didn't give it to them. He gave the disciples. I, it doesn't say, but I've often wondered if maybe they recruited some other people and done what Jesus did. Hey, would you help? I don't know. It doesn't say. But Brother Gleason said, at his church, and I thought this was absolutely incredible. He said, at his church, he said, every Sunday our goal is to have a disciple-making testimony. There are few things more exciting than hearing the stories of changed lives, both by the disciples and their makers. It's even more exciting when testimonies are shared by second and third generation disciples. This is when the church begins to move from addition to multiplication. He went on to write this. He said, when the church knows that its mission is to make disciples, when there are more prayer, listen to this, this is, this is incredible. When there are more prayer requests about their disciples than their personal problems. When their testimonies are more about changed lives and less about overcoming their challenges. When their prayers are more focused on others, then you know that the culture has changed. And this is what I wanted to get where we are thinking more about because this in essence is what disciple making, this is the basis of it. When we're more concerned about somebody else going to hell than we are the life the devil's throwing at us. Some, many people say this, and I have said this to people. If I could just find somebody that is what we call soul winner. Soul winners are real. You can take one person that's on fire that we, what we would call a soul winner and they can fill every pew in this church in a heartbeat. Some people are just like that. They're just like that. Yeah. But some people do. And they can just talk to people and bring them to church. And I know this is true. But, and there's some people just especially gifted and they're anointed in that area. But here's my question. Was that Jesus' plan? That one person brought everybody to church. It was not his plan. So Brother Gleason said in his book, he said, this model tends to create superhero soul winners. Such a model gives a, a congregation a false sense that only a select few are gifted to reach the world as I can't talk to people. And there's nothing more than the average saint can do. So what I'm trying to do today is I'm trying to empower you. You may not be able to talk to people, but you told me you did earlier. Exactly. You start from where you are. And here's the danger of these soul winners. How many remembers a few years ago we had soul winners boot camp? Well, not here, but we had, we had a guy come through that is what we call a soul winner. Both of them individuals that run that are neither one are in church no more. I mean, they would win people like crazy. They could go out and they could invite somebody to church and they'd bring them to church and they would bring in 
multitudes at one time. Neither one of them individuals are in church anymore. That's scary. Because it all centers on one person and they become the superhero soul winner. And the other people sit back and think, well, I'll just let brother or sister and so-and-so bring them all in and we'll have our church grow. But what would happen if a culture within our church were these, Brother Gleason said, the spiritual DNA of this disciple-making becomes embedded in every fiber of our existence. And my goal is that making disciples is not just a program that we have in our church that somebody, okay, Jakin's going to be the disciple-maker leader. No. Youth pastor, that's what we do. Our goal as youth pastor, we're going to make disciples. Anthony, that's the goal of singing, is we're trying to bring other people to Jesus. Whoever may be over children's ministry, we, this is what we want eventually. We want, we want hyphen groups, children's ministry, we want all, and everything to be focused on that one thing. Whether you're a ladies' minister leader or a men's minister leader, everything is that one thing. Hey, we have a culture that everybody, can bring somebody closer to Jesus. Whether you're comfortable talking with somebody or not, you can still bring somebody closer to Jesus. Exactly. That is great. Use what you know. Start where you are. See, I want to make, I want to make, see, making disciples. And understand that, when I, I guess when I say this, I think some people get freaked out by making disciples. The simple terminology is, you're bringing somebody closer to Jesus as you get closer to Jesus. That's all you're doing. You're simply just drawing somebody along with you. I want it to become the focus of everything that we do. Because I have a dream that everybody in this church is going to rise up and fulfill Jesus's, some of Jesus' last words. Which was, anybody know? Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. What would happen in our church if we walked into every room with the attitude, Brother Gleason put it like this, there you are, instead of, here I am. What would happen? What would happen if every one of us, who, as we get more mature, that we would take all of our sinner friends, turn them into friends, turn them into disciples, and they begin to follow us as we begin to lead this Christian wall. What if every one of us, as apostolic Christians, we continually have somebody close to us that we're bringing closer to Jesus? Amen. I'll tell you what would happen. This place would blow up. We'd have, we'd have a church that our community, our city, our nation our world, they would feel the impact of what's going on because there are some people that said, you know what? You know what? There's one thing our church thinks about and that's getting as many people as we can to live for Jesus. So, uh, this is a little veered off on this chapter that, chapter 7, but it, when I read through it 
And I looked at it and I thought, you know, Jesus, I think this is the direction I need to go with this to help us get that mindset that, Lord, we are going to become a church that thinks about. Listen to me. I want to speak this every time we get up here. One thing we want to see, not just our church grow, the kingdom, the kingdom grow. Because this is what it's about. It's the kingdom of God. And you can do it. How would you say it? Use what you know. If all you know is John 3.16 and somebody don't know it, guess what? You know more than they do. Take John 3.16 and say, look, God loved me when I was a sinner and he gave himself for me at Calvary and become my ultimate sacrifice where I don't have to die a sinner. And he rose again. And now then, I ain't got it perfect, but I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. You can do the same thing. Or it may just be, being kind to somebody. Yeah. You just be kind to somebody. It doesn't have to be a hope to these and thou's and all. It can just be, I'm your friend. And they will finally someday say, hey man, what's different about you? Well, I go to church and I live for Jesus and I pray and seek God. So anyway, this is what I want. I want to see one thing in our church above anything else. I, I hope we got good singing. We do. Bethany's a good singer. And I hope we got some good preaching. And I hope we got some, you know, I hope someday we'll have a uh, building that's not as bad as what this may be, we think at times, but this is more than what some people's got, I promise you. But there's one thing I hope we never forget is that the fact that God has called us to reach this world. So Jesus, I ask you to help us today. Help us to get this one thing in our mind and our heart and our spirit, God, and we'll never let it go. And God, that is, if you have called us to reach this dying, lost world, Jesus, I'm asking you right now that you would help us all in this place, God. Help us to draw closer to you, God.